Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Um, Let's jump into the message. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. Uh, before we get into a few things that I want to talk to you about today, this is, come on, everybody say, hi, Hadley. <laughs> this, is, this is our oldest, and uh, it's crazy to think whenever, whenever we uh, started, she's been a, a big part of everything that we've been able to do as a church and being helpful a lot behind the scenes that you don't even know of. And so uh, when we started, yeah, when we started, she was at the ripe old age of seven, and, uh, and man, look what God has done, and she's turning into a beautiful young lady, so, <laughs> all right, so she's going to draw, we've got, uh, we're going to give away five things, come on, because we're celebrating five years, right, so we're going to give away five things this morning, and the first one is Rhonda Stevens, or Randa Stevens, maybe, is it Randa? Hey, come on up here. We've got, these mugs are filled with all kinds of goodies, and there's a gift card and everything in there, so thank you. Come on, give her a hand. All right, let's draw another one. Mallory, come on down. You're welcome. All right, three more, three more. We'll do a couple here. Mary Daniels. <laughs> and Kelly Millsap. Where's Kelly? Y'all can walk down together so it's not as awkward. I'm just trying to save you that awkward. No. <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. All right, one more, one more, one more. You already got it. Henry Lowen, where you at? All right, take that down there. All right, come on, give it up for my assistant. <laughs> Congrats, man. You bet. Oh, all right. Well, um, I'm excited. I. I get excited about um, every night of worship that we have as a church where we join together as one body and, uh, and just praise and glorify the Lord. I'm extremely excited about tonight. I think that, I think that God's going to do some incredible things um, as we've been praying about the night and uh, we were talking with uh, the worship team and, and just kind of asking the Lord, what is it that you want to do tonight? What is the theme for tonight? And man, we just felt like... Uh, that it has the potential that God's going to be here, obviously, and that uh, we're going to see miracles and healing and freedom um, as we join together in the presence of God. And so, uh, man, I just believe it's going to be a powerful night. So I am encouraging you to come back tonight. Uh, we're going to begin at 6 o'clock, and uh, it's going to be awesome. Our first night of worship in this building, it's going to be amazing. Uh, so be here tonight, 6 o'clock for that. And uh, before we get into other things um, as well, i got a lot to get to today, so I'm going to try to do it in our 
uh, in a timely manner. But um, I'm excited because next week um, we begin a six-part series on the book of Ephesians. And so uh, we're excited about that. We're going to be going through and just better understanding the book of Ephesians and uh, pulling out truth and and what it is that God's speaking to us as individuals and us as a church. And so it's going to be awesome as we take the next six weeks and do that. And so we want you to be here for that. And I want to uh, take just a moment and update you, give you some practical information before we get into the message today. And uh, I want to start off with um, just some practical things, an update on uh, this facility here. Come on, we moved in here. It was July 11th, 2021. And uh, man, look what God has done. It's amazing to see that within a five-year period of time, what God has provided and and, uh, and the people that he's brought alongside of, of us and around you to serve and, and lead and, and do all of that. So uh, we are, as you, as you know, we've been in, um, in this, what we call the Beyond Movement, uh, for it was really about half of last year and then all of this year. And our goal and our vision has been to see uh, this facility paid off by the end of 2021. And so I just want to kind of update you on that and let you know kind of where we're at with that um, in, in some roundabout numbers, really. Um, but based on your generosity, the well, before we get to that, uh, you guys are super generous. We, this building, we had a budget for this building, and uh, due to some material costs and different things gone up, we were about 20% uh, over where we wanted to be with this facility, and that was fully furnished and everything that you see. And so uh, we still believe that God is faithful, and uh, many of you know with construction projects and things like that, man, it's like you get a call and, hey, now we've got to do this, and now we've got to, you know, figure this, this situation out and this material and things like that. But fully furnished, everything done, uh, we were about 20% over. Here's the great news, because of your generosity and everything that was given up to that point, um, a lot of that we were able to pay out of pocket. Uh, so we were able to cover a lot of those costs, and we're still right at about halfway paid off for this entire facility. And so that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, we do still have a vision that, that God's going to, man, we're just going to see miracles happen, and, and God's going to provide everything through your generosity and, and through uh, the church's obedience to see everything paid off in full. Um, I want to update you on one other thing. You remember it was about six weeks ago, it was on August the 8th, when uh, we had gone under contract on the property that's here behind where I'm standing, including this entire lot that's over here um, on this side of the building. And about a little over a week ago, uh, I'm happy to report that we have officially closed on all of that. And so um, whenever we... Whenever, whenever I felt like the Lord was saying, hey, you need to think beyond, and we called this whole thing the beyond movement, and we're thinking like thinking outside of ourselves and beyond what we can see with our physical eyes, um, I think God desires to take us beyond what we even felt like beyond was. And so uh, now, now we are uh, going to be putting together a plan, and uh, because of your generosity on that, we were able to, to take 10% and just put down on that to go ahead and get that started. And uh, so we're going to be developing a plan as to what is it that God wants us to do uh, with that facility and with this lot and all of this um, that we believe that God has provided. And really just kind of, man, we, we, had, we had checked into that. You heard it six weeks ago. We had checked into that uh, two or three years ago. And, uh, and the answer was no, but sometimes the answer is not no. The answer is just not yet. 
And really, I mean, it just kind of, they came to us, and, and we prayed about it, felt like, man, this is, that God is in this. And so uh, we're excited about how he's expanding our territory. Come on, somebody. And uh, how many people we're going to be able to reach and outreach and, and different things like that. So uh, it's going to be amazing. And so as that kind of goes on, we'll be getting you more information as to what we feel like the Lord. Um, we're meeting together with the elders and, and talking about what is it that God wants us to do. And how do we move forward with that? So I wanted to update you on those, uh, those couple of things. And then I want to give you just some practical numbers because today's really a day of celebration, right? I mean, we're celebrating five years as a church. God has been faithful. Listen to me. This is not what we have done. <laughs> there is nothing about this. The only thing that we have done is be obedient. The only thing that we have done is say, God, our answer is yes. When you, when you speak, we want to be faithful. We want to be obedient. We want to say yes. This is God's faithfulness and how he has just put pieces together and all those things. But I was th looking back on just some, uh, some practical things that, uh, that excited me. Uh, people that were reaching on the weekend. So back in 2016 when we began, um, if, you, if you take all of the uh, people that were attending Impact Church uh, we were a little less than 100 people in attendance every single weekend. And then I went back and looked at this year and where we're at right now. And uh, our average people that are gathering together to worship on the weekend is right at 280. And it's been as high as, yeah, and it's been as high as we've had um, 328 people, I believe, in this building between two services. Um, and so, man, it's just, it's incredible to see what God has done. And how God is faithful. Here's uh, something else in currently in groups, right? And you know we, come on, if you've been, if you've been going to church here for a, a minute, come on, we're going to talk about groups and you growing and maturing in your faith and, and, uh, and being a part of a group, being in a group, being in community, being discipled, discipling other people. And right now we have right at 100 adults that are in a grow group this semester that are that are being a part and growing so come on that's awesome that's awesome and uh and i went back and i looked up this figure this is a this is the number that we know of okay this is the number that we know of now i'm not saying that there haven't been people along the way that may add to this but in five years celebrating five years today uh, over five years we've seen 159 people give their life to jesus uh through what God is doing here. And if you don't get excited about anything else, I would, I would hope that you would get excited about that. That we're populating the kingdom and then uh, trying to get those 159 people and every single week as people are surrendering their life to Jesus, hey, you need to get in a group. You need to get in community. You need to be discipled. You need to know what it means to walk this out and, and read the word and, and just kind of lead people on that journey. And so uh, it's, been a, it's been an amazing five years. I was, we were talking... Um, earlier, and I, I was telling a few people, I said, on one hand, it feels like it's been five years, and on the other hand, it doesn't feel like it's been five years. I mean, five years has really gone by quick. So, um, I, for the next few moments, and I'm not going to speak to you for very long today, because I knew that I wanted to, you know, get into all that and update you on some things, but uh, for the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this title. I've titled the message today for our five-year anniversary or birthday celebration, Going the Distance. Going the Distance. Um, I want to share with you on this idea what I felt like the Lord led me to do was to take, to, to take how we've gotten this, this five years under our belt, really, and how God has been faithful. And if you think about the next five years or the rest of your life or the rest of, you know, ministry until 
you know, until Jesus comes back and what he wants to do through our church. Um, I think that there are a few things that, uh, that God has been faithful in and some things that we need to be faithful in and some things that we need, really, if we're going to go the distance. If we're going to make sure that, hey, we, we're staying on track, that we are, you know, that God is, is leading the vision, that we are being successful. Sometimes I think we just need to redefine what success is. Sometimes we have a view of what success is, and it's not really what success is in God's eyes in the kingdom. And uh, so here's the first thing that I want to talk to you about today. If we were going to talk about things that we need as we go into the next five years or, or from now until the Lord returns, um, I, think that, I think that it's important that we understand grace. And I was studying the number five in the Bible is a number that represents grace. And I thought, how awesome is that to be celebrating five years as a church? And really what we're saying is God has been gracious. That we could not have done anything without the grace of God. That you could not have done anything in your life without the grace of God. And I believe that God gives us grace for the things that he calls us to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 10... Paul writes this, reading from the Amplified Bible. He says, but by the remarkable grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not without effect. In fact, I worked harder than all of the apostles, though, that, though it was not I, but the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing, which was with me. We were singing, a man and I were talking out here, we were singing that song, talking about how it's your grace that holds me now. And even discussing what grace is. And when you look up the definition, uh, the biblical definition of grace, it's the free and unmerited favor of God. That, that he wants to give you free and unmerited favor in your life. Now, sometimes we think that, well, if God gives me that, then this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And I'm going to be here and I'm going to see this happen and this is going to transpire. And we're just going to make all this money and we're just going to be blessed in all of these different ways. And God does want to bless you. But sometimes the unmerited, free favor of God looks like him placing, placing that in your life for the race that he's called you to run. The thing that he's called you to do. And we've said it many times over the last weeks that we all, that we all have a race that we're running together. right? We've all been commissioned to do something together. But there's something specific that God even has for your life. And, and I love this definition that it's free and it's unmerited favor of God, which means that you didn't earn it. It's a gift. You didn't earn the unmerited free favor of God. There's nothing, there's nothing that you can do to earn it. It's not something that is merited. It's free favor of God on your life. Listen, it's by the grace of God that you're saved today. We talked about this last week or the week before that it's only by the grace of God through faith that you are even saved today. It's by the grace of God that you have the job that you have today. Can we just pause here for just a moment for those of us that complain about our jobs? It's only by the grace of God that you have what you have today. The job that you have today. The place that you get to go and work at every single day. It's by the grace of God that you have the family that you have today. It's by the grace of God that you have the parents or the siblings or whatever your family dynamic looks like. God has been gracious to you. I was thinking about our family and even our church family. It's by the grace of God that he's brought 
people together from all different backgrounds and different denominations and different belief systems all to come together to say, you know what, what does Jesus say? How do we follow him? What does the Bible say? And how can we follow after Jesus together? How can we run this race together? It's by the grace of God that you have gifts and talents. God has given you, God has given you things in your life to use. He has given you things for you to use them. Not for you to sit on them, not for you to bury them in the ground, but for you to use them for the kingdom. Those are, those are by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God that our church is celebrating five years. I mean, it really is, and I said it earlier, it's not anything that you have done, it's not anything that I have done, other than be faithful and be obedient to the call of God and what he's asked us to step into, but it's the grace of God that has brought us this far. It's the faithfulness of God that has brought us this far. I believe that you have been given grace to run your race, and Impact Church has been given grace to run our race. That there's a specific calling. We're all working toward the same goal. We have to learn how to define success the way that God sees success in our life. And we're all working toward the same goal. But while we're all working toward the same goal, God has gifted and God has talented and God has given grace to each one of us to play a certain part in that. And uh, I want to, I'm going to go over here. I should have brought these out before we started. I had stuffed these in this room, so bear with me for just a second. Some of y'all are like, what is he doing? Can you still hear me? All right. I felt this thing pull. I didn't want to pull it out. Um, God has given you grace to run a race. He's given you gifts and talents to do a thing, all working in the same direction as one body, but to do a thing specifically that he's called you to do in a race that he's called you to run and a life that he's called you to live that is going to reach people that other people may never reach or other people may not have influence in their life, God has given you the ability to do that. Are you with me? Will you, Lisa, will you help me? You're not intimidated to come up here? Okay, come up here. Come up here. Yeah, come on, give her a hand. Robert, can you come help me? Can you help me? Now everybody's getting nervous, like, boy, he's calling people out of the, <laughs> people out of the crowd. Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Uh, Gwen, can you help me? I know you won't mind. All right, just stand right here. Come on, give him a hand as he's coming. I told him this morning, I said, man, I like your, I like your shirt. He's rocking the shirt. We love our city. Yes. All right. So here's, here's, what I, here's what I pictured in my mind when I, when I felt like the Lord was saying, hey, there's grace. Like, we're all going in the same direction, but there's, there's a grace that, and a gift that God has put on each person's life uh, to, so that you can be the part of the body that you were called to be. And so God has got to give, come on, can you tell these came from our house, right? Our kids are, they have definitely used these things. So God has given you this grace, right? So for some of you, God has given you the grace to be the teacher that he's called you to be and to reach the students that he's called you to reach in the place that he's called you to reach them. 
And other people don't have that on their life. They don't have that specific calling or that specific purpose. We're all working toward the same goal. We're all trying to make disciples. We're all trying to see people come to faith in Christ. We're all trying to follow Jesus to the best of our ability. But God has given some people the grace to do it in this way. And he says, hey, I'm going to place you here and I put this grace on your life. And here's what, I, here's, here's what I know. If you begin to compare what it is that God has given you to do and the grace to do with what somebody else is doing, then you'll constantly be discouraged and constantly want to quit. Because how come I'm not like, well, why does he get to be the teacher I wish that I could be the teacher. Like, he has people that notice him and people that look up to him. And I just am behind the scenes and nobody ever really sees me do what I do at my job or around the people that I'm around. They're around all kinds of people that I see that they're reaching people for Jesus and they're discipling people even on their job. And I'm behind the scenes only working with two or three people. And so I begin to compare what I'm called to do with what somebody else is called to do. And it starts to discourage me. But you don't have, listen, you don't have the same calling on your life in that regard or the same grace or the same gift in your life your life to be able to do what it is that they're called to do and the same thing here God has given him the grace and the gifting to be this part of the body and if 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 Robert begins to look over at Lisa and think well why does Lisa get the soccer ball Lisa has the soccer ball and I have the basketball and I don't like the basketball I would rather have the soccer ball then Robert is constantly walking around not fulfilling what it is that God has called him to do and the grace and the gift he's put on his life because he's looking around comparing and God said, I gave you this. Will you take this? Before you were born, I put this in you. I gave you the gifting for this. I gave you the grace for this. I gave you the faith for this. I gave you the calling for this. And this is what I am asking you to do. Will you be faithful and will you be obedient with what I've called you to do? And not look around. Listen, it's okay to look around, but not look around comparing. Look around cheering each other on. Woo! Look at you. My goodness, over here, what God has given you to do with this soccer ball. You are the best soccer player on planet Earth. I just am so thankful that you are reaching all of the people. Not really. But you are reaching all the people that you have called to reach. And I'm over here, and I'm, I'm reaching all the people that I'm called to reach. And we're cheering each other on and we're celebrating what God is doing in your life and what God is doing in your life. And we're all working together and how can we come together and let's just give God praise and let's give God glory. And let's just thank God that he's using Lisa and let's thank God that he's using Robert. Come on. And Gwen, my man. God is good. He is. He said, this is what I've given you to do. These are the people that I'm going to put in your life. This is the gift and the talent that I've placed inside of you. That I'm just saying, hey, will you steward this well? Will you be faithful with this? Will you be obedient with this? When you see him succeeding, will you cheer him on and be glad that he's succeeding? Because we're all heading in the same direction. And when he sees you succeeding and doing what God's called you to do and being okay and being, being successful and being faithful, then he's going to cheer you on. And then we're all going to cheer Lisa on because we're all going in the same direction. Listen, listen. We cannot, and I was thinking about this even as a church. How often, listen, how often do you... Can we just go there? How often do you sit in this church and think, well, this church is nothing like that church? Well, this church is nothing like 
that church that I used to go to before we moved. Well, this church is nothing like the one that I used to attend five years ago. Well, they, listen, we're not called to compare. She has a soccer ball, he has a basketball, and he has a football. But they're all running in the same direction, following after Jesus. They just have a different gifting. They have a different grace. They have a different calling on their life. But we're all moving in the same direction. What if what if what we need in our lives to be successful in God's eyes over the next five years or throughout eternity is to say, you know what, God, you've given me the grace and the gifting to do this. And so I'm going to step into this, and I'm going to be the best football player that I can possibly be. Or I'm going to be the best basketball player that I can possibly be. I'm going to be the best soccer player that I can possibly be. And we're all moving in the same direction, and we're all cheering each other on, and we're all being successful because success is not measured by you comparing to you, comparing to you, and who's making it farther down the road. No, success is are you being faithful and obedient with what God has given you to do? And here's the thing. We've got to be faithful and obedient as a church to do what God has put us here to do. And to say every day, God, where are you leading today? How are we staying on vision and on mission today? How are we continuing to do what you've placed us here to do and be salt and light in this community? Come on, thank you guys. Can you all give them a hand? Give them a hand. You can just set that down right there. We each have a grace given by God to run the race that he's called us to. And we just need to be faithful and obedient. So the second thing that I think we need is simply that. It's obedience. And I want to read, um, read a passage of scripture in just a moment. Before we do that, what is obedience? Obedience is, look at this, submission to another's authority. What is obedience? It means I am submitted to another's authority. In this context, what are we talking about? We are submitted to God's authority. We're going to be obedient in everything that God asks us to do, and I want us to look at, uh, I want us to look at a story uh, about King Saul. This is in First Samuel chapter fifteen, and I want to read about eleven or twelve verses here, and then we're going to talk about it because I believe that uh, God wants us to get something out of this today. This is what it says, starting in verse twelve. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear, Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted, but they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked. And Samuel told him, Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, Go and completely destroy the sinners. Listen, listen to what God told him to do. This is what God told him to do. Go and destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God 
in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Here we see Samuel tells Saul, he says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, if you're like me, I've heard that statement before. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. But I began to read in, and I went back and read before these verses. And if you look back at the beginning of chapter 15, you see that the Lord has given Saul instructions to completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. All the men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Everything. All of it. He said, here's what you're going to do. You're gonna, I'm going with you, and you're going to destroy everything. Don't leave anything. Don't take anything. Destroy it all. But what does Saul do? 1 Samuel 15, 7 through 9, if we go back a few verses before what we just read. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from, from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs. Everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. So God has sent them in and said, you need to destroy it all. They get in there and they start winning the battle. They destroy everyone. But Saul says, you know, I'm just going to keep the king. And hey, while we're at it, you know, like they really have some good cattle and some good sheep. Like, look at that sheep. That's a good looking sheep. We need to keep that sheep. We need to keep that goat. We need to keep. Oh, they've got a little bit of stuff. Like we can hope. Let's just kill off all the stuff that doesn't really matter or seems worthless or is of poor quality. And we'll keep everything else. They were not fully obedient. To what God told them to do. Saul didn't fully obey what the Lord had told him to do. And when Samuel confronts him in verse 19. Saul says that he brought back the king. And his men kept the best of the animals. So that they could what? Sacrifice them to the Lord. Now I'm just reading in a little bit. One of two things could have happened. Saul and his men kept all the stuff. And then when Samuel shows up. They're like oh we just planned us. You know like to sacrifice that to the Lord or they could have been thinking all along oh we'll just keep the best stuff and we'll sacrifice it to the Lord because that'll please God and then Samuel shows up and says no that's not what's pleasing to God pleasing to God would have been your full obedience if he told you to do it one way then you need to be obedient to do it the way that he told you to do it because when you're not obedient to the way that he told you to do it then you find yourself in a predicament And even if you are trying to, like, I'm, we're going to sacrifice. Like, we kept it so that we could give it to God. We kept it so that we could sacrifice to him. Like, God wants your obedience. He wants you to, to listen to his voice, to read his word, and then to say, you know what? I'm going to be obedient to the race that you've called me to run. I'm going to be obedient to the thing that you've called me to do. Can I, can I tell you for just a moment what I believe this might be equivalent to? Um, our Heavenly Father gives us something 
and he wants us to carry it out with our life. But as we go through our life, we come up with a better plan. When we get into the middle of it, we come up with a better plan. And we justify it by saying that we felt like it would be a better way to serve the Lord. And I think the Lord is saying, I just need you to be obedient with what I've told you to do because there's a reason why I told you to do it the way that I told you to do it. There's a reason why, you know, and I don't have time to get into all this, but you know the story of Abraham and God said, hey, you're going to have a son. Well, then they tried to, they came up with a better plan. And they had Ishmael. And now two nations are fighting against each other thousands of years later because there was not complete obedience to what God had said. God desires for us to be obedient. We could say it this way, that obedience to God's plan is always better than trying to get our plan to be okay with him. I think sometimes we try to get God to be okay with our plan. And God has said, hey, I've called you to this. I want you to do this. This is going to be awesome. This is, what, this is what I see. He's given you vision. He's given you desire. He's given you passion. And then we get into the middle of it, and we begin to kind of develop our own plan. Well, if we just added this in, and if we just took a little bit here, and if we just did this over here, and God's like, that's not, that's not what I called you to do. That's not the race that I called you to run. Well, God, I'm doing it for you. I said, you may be doing it for me, but that's not what I told you to do. That's not the plan. That's not the purpose. That's not the, the, the race that I had laid out before you that I want you to run. I want you to be obedient to that. Look at John 14, 15. Jesus says, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. And this is what was written about Jesus himself in Philippians 2, uh, verses 6 through 8, I believe it is says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he, prepared, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Listen, here's what I want you to get out of that this morning. Jesus was submitted and obedient to the Father's plan. And we see him in the garden saying, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But God said, no, this is the plan that I have. This is what I need you to do. And Jesus said, but not my will, your will be done. I'm not going to try to come up with a better plan. I'm just going to follow your plan. I'm going to follow your purpose. I'm going to follow the calling that you have on my life. Jesus was submitted and completely obedient to the Father's will and the Father's plan. I think as people, as a church, as families and in your workplace what is it that is going to keep us on mission as individuals or as a church i think it's obedient to what the lord's will and the lord's plan is and not the opinions of everyone around us not what we see not what we think looks prosperous not what we think would be pleasing to god but what it is like going every day and saying god what is it that you have for me today i want to follow your plan i want to be in your will today and then here's the third thing that i think we need and you saw this out when you go out today, we encourage you to take a picture out there as we celebrate, and you can post those on social media, and we can have fun looking at everybody's pictures. But there's a word on there that we wanted on there because it's our word for this year. And so the third thing that we need, we can say it like this, is devotion. Or how we've said it for this year, our word for this year is devoted. And I felt like this was a time... 
to bring us back around. Because it's easy to kind of veer off and, and get off, and we talked a little bit about that last week. It's easy to kind of get off track and, and forget, you know what, what God spoke is still true. And it'll be true. Here's the, here's the great news. It'll be true in 2022 and 2025 and 2031 that God wants you to be devoted to the right things. And so in Acts, in Acts 2, I want to read this to you. Starting in verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves, right? And we looked at this at the beginning of the year. That the word devoted, if you do a word study on the word devoted, it basically implies that there's going to be opposition and there's going to be difficulty. But I have already made up my mind that I'm sticking to this. I've already made up my mind. I am fully devoted, committed to this, committed to these things, devoted to these things. And I know that opposition is coming. I know that difficulty is coming. I know that it's not going to be easy, but I've already chosen. I'm going to be devoted to these things, and it says they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I want to take just a couple of minutes and I want to remind us. Because if we want to go the distance in your life, in your relationship with God, as a church, with your family, we have to remain devoted to the right things. The enemy is going to try to get you to devote yourself to something over here, something that doesn't seem all that bad, something that may not be all that bad, but it's not what God has called you first and foremost to be devoted to. And these are all from what we see with the first church in Acts chapter 2. We need to be devoted to prayer. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer. With an alert mind and a thankful heart. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Ephesians 6, 18, right? This is the verse that's right after the armor of God. You need to put this on and put this on and put this on and put this on. And oh, by the way, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Let me ask you this question today. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Are you devoted to prayer? Are you devoted to prayer? And I think today we need to ask ourselves, hey, am I spending time? Am I talking with the Lord? Am I praying? Am I taking things before him? Am I not being anxious and worried about things, but with everything, with thanksgiving, making your petitions known to God? Am, am, how's my prayer life? Am I devoted to prayer? Here's the next thing. We need to be devoted to gathering. We all know this verse probably, Hebrews 10, 25, we like to use this one. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together how, even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. And the Greek word for neglect or abandon implies a person who is extremely discouraged. So this is saying you don't need to abandon or neglect. You don't need to become discouraged about getting together. You don't need to be extremely discouraged to the point of abandoning altogether getting together with brothers and sisters who are in 
relationship with Jesus going in the same direction that you are going. We need to encourage each other and we need to do it even more often as you see that day coming. What day? The day of Jesus' return. You need to do it every, more often. So in other words, next week, you need to do it more than this week. Three weeks from now, you need to do it more than you did it three weeks before. Like, we need to be intentional to do this. The importance of gathering isn't a legalistic thing. It's a no-excuses thing. And I love the way that, that the Passion Translation words it at the very beginning. It says, this is not the time. Listen, this isn't the time to pull away. It's a time to make it even more of a priority. The next thing we need to be devoted to, just reminding you of these, because I felt like the Lord wanted us to come back to this today as we celebrate five years. We need to be devoted to community. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family. Give preference to one another in honor. Galatians 6.2, carry one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. That is the law of Christian love. The bottom line when it comes to community, I believe, is that we need each other. Whether we want to admit it or not, it doesn't make it any less true. We need each other. We need each other. We need to be devoted to generosity. I'll go ahead and bring the worship team back. Luke 3, 10 through 11 says, The crowds asked him, talking about Jesus, Then what are we to do? Jesus has just taught. What are we to do? And John replied, or excuse me, John, The man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And he who has food is to do the same. Psalm 37, 21, the wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 10 and 11, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Listen to me. You are, God wants to bless you so you can bless other people. Amen. So that you'll have enough and extra. We talked about this. You'll have enough and you'll have extra. God says, I want to bless you. I want to see, hey, you're going to steward this well. I want to give you what you need, and I want to give you some extra so that you can provide for the needs of others, so that you can help others around you, so that you can be generous in every way and produce thanksgiving to God. We need to be devoted. The last one I want to mention, we need to be devoted to discipleship. These are the five things we talked about at the beginning of the year. We need to be devoted to discipleship. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Come on, we know this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I love the Greek word that Jesus uses here for disciple is a word that means helping someone to progressively learn the word of God to become a matured, growing disciple. It means to train or develop in the truths of scripture and the lifestyle required. When Jesus was saying this, he said, go and make disciples. Teach them the truth and the lifestyle that accompanies that. Teach them, that this, teach them what I commanded you. Teach them this is what you need to believe. This is what you need to believe in. This is the truth of God's word. And here's the lifestyle that comes alongside that. Here's how we need to live our lives. It's helping a believer to learn to be a disciple of Christ in belief and 
practice. And we know that Jesus has commissioned us to go and make disciples. And here's why I believe it's so important. Is that discipleship is the bridge between a baby Christian and a mature follower of Jesus. Discipleship is the bridge that takes you from new in your faith to understanding the things of God, understanding the word of God, growing and following Jesus every day. What does this mean to my life? How do I apply this to my life? I don't want to just read that, but I want to do that. What does it look like to follow after Jesus? It's discipleship. Listen, I'm going to say it again, and we'll say it until we're blue in the face. Get in a group. You need to be in a group. You need to be in a group. Listen, I know that you can study on your own. We need to study on our own. We need to read God's word on our own. But you need to be around other people. And iron sharpens iron. One friend sharpens another. We need community. We need to be discipling each other. You need to be in a group. And here's the great news. You can get in a group right now. It's not too late. Well, I'll just wait till January after the new year because, you know, we're already like three weeks into this. No! <laughs> you need to get in a group right now. We need each other. You need discipleship. You need your brothers and sisters around you. We need to be together to encourage each other. We need to grow together and disciple each other. Amen? Will you stand to your feet today? What do we need? What do we need to go the distance, to run the race, as Paul would say, to run the race that's set before us? I think here they are again, three words, grace, obedience, and devotion. But here's how I want to end today, because here's the most important thing that I think I could mention to you, that I could communicate to you. We need, God has given us grace and we need, to, we need to understand what has God given us the grace to do? What is the race that he's called us to run? We need to be fully obedient, not, not you know, coming up with our own plan or kind of adding to, taking away, but saying, God, what does it look like to be fully obedient to your will? And we need devotion. We need to be devoted to the right things. But you know what we need above all else? We can try to do all of these things, but look at what we spelled. God, we need his presence and his direction and his leadership and his guidance and listen to me his Holy Spirit his Holy Spirit how how are you gonna be discipled how are you gonna understand the things of God how are you gonna understand what it is that God has written to you in his word the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit how are you gonna know when, when you see that person and, and you think, man, am I supposed to, do I need to help that person out? Do I need to do something for them? Do I need to serve them in some way? It's the Holy Spirit. That moment when you're standing in line and you feel the prompting to go to somebody and pray for them, or you feel the prompting to go and, and pay for somebody's whatever, or to be a blessing to somebody in some way, you know what that is? That's a person. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And come on, we can... We can be devoted to the right things. We can be striving to be obedient in every way that we know how. And we can know what it is that God's called us to do and the grace that he's put on our life to run that race. But if we're trying to do it without the power and the ability of the Holy Spirit and God's presence in our lives and getting in his presence every single day, then we're just going to be striving. And we may accomplish some good things, 
but we're not going to be walking with Jesus and his presence and the Holy Spirit's guidance as we run the race and as we try to be obedient in every single way and as we remain devoted to the right thing. We need God. We need a relationship with our Heavenly Father. We need his Holy Spirit in our lives. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes today? I want to pray for us. and Then we're going to sing this song. Lord, today, all across this room, people watching online right now, Lord, I pray that that you would show us or you would remind us that you have given us grace and gifts to do certain things, that we're all running in the same direction and we're all on mission together and we all want to see people come to follow Jesus and be discipled and, and fo- become mature followers of Christ. But in that, you have given us each different assignments and we're all a different part of the body of Christ and we have a different role to play and different things that you've equipped us to do and given us the grace to do. And so God, I pray that you would either remind us or that you reveal those things today that we would know, hey, this is my lane. This is what God has called me to. This is how I am called to be a part of the body. This is how I'm called to serve. This is how I'm called to love. Lord, help us to be obedient. To remember that obedience is better than sacrifice. That you've called us to to offer our lives as a living sacrifice. But Lord, we don't want to just make something up along the way. We don't want to come up with a plan that we think is better than your plan or that we can add to your plan. We just want to be obedient. We want to know, we want to hear your voice every day. God, I pray that you would speak to us through your word that we would get into your word, that we would know what your word says, that you would speak to us through that and that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit as we go about our day. God, you would bring things back to our remembrance and that we would be obedient in everything that we do. And Lord, help us to to be devoted to the right things, to not get off track, to not veer to the left and to the right, to realize that, hey, these things may be good things, but they can't be the most important things. God, we need to be devoted to the things that you've called us to be devoted to. And most of all, Lord, we just ask for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we desire to be in your presence every single day. We know that you are in us and you go with us everywhere that we go. Lord, help us to be mindful of that. We thank you for what you're doing in every heart and every life. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today who needs prayer for anything in their life as we sing this song, Holy Spirit, would you draw every person that needs prayer in Jesus' name. Hey, come on. Oh, man, what an awesome five years it has been. Uh, we were talking before the service and mentioned to some people, uh, it, in some ways it doesn't even feel like it's been five years. Um, it's just kind of flown by, and uh, all I can say is look what the Lord has done. Yeah. Amen. Hey, before we get into uh, some practical things and some updates and the message today, uh, want to take a moment and we're going to give away come on we're giving away five things today because we're celebrating our fifth birthday I love how Andrea said that welcome to our fifth birthday party come on <laughs> you're a part of the party today um, and so if if we uh, here I'll hold this and you can draw if if we call your name you can just come up and get we have a coffee mug's got a gift card and some different things in it that we want to give away so and hey everybody say Everybody say, hey, Hadley. Hey, Hadley. <laughs> hey, Hadley. 
this is our oldest, and uh, I was thinking about uh, this. She's like, can we just draw and get me off the stage? Um, I was thinking about whenever we started the church, uh, she was seven at the time, and so uh, she did a lot of stuff behind the scenes and helped with a lot of things and still does, and so she's a big part of what we do here. So come on, give it up for her. All right, and the first winner, Taylor Willis. Hey, hey. You are awesome. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Here, you want me calling call another name so you don't walk by yourself? Uh, Whitney Bridgers. Where's Whitney? Number three, Aubrey Coco. Yeah. Oh, my. Zachary Bridgers. Apparently, you gave us your day. It was you guys... And last but not least is Kyra H. Where's Kyra? Kyra, where you at? There you are. All right, you want to take that? All right, let's give it up for all of them. Give it up for Hadley, my assistant. <laughs> um, I know we joke about it a lot, but we are honored to be able to to do this thing and lead this church and yeah. with our family yeah. and uh, our kids play a big part in in what we do and we want it to be that way yeah. we want them to love the church yeah. and love following Jesus and love serving people yeah. and uh, so that is definitely a goal of ours hey um, uh, a couple of things tonight you know this already but tonight we're gathering back here tonight at 6 p.m. And we're going to have a night of worship. It's our very first night of worship in this building. And so it's going to be amazing. Uh, we want you to be here. And, uh, man, it's going to be a great night. We were talking and praying over the last few weeks about what it is that God, we felt like God wanted to do. Um, every, you know, you saw in the video, every year uh, the Lord speaks a word to our church. And we kind of focus on that and bring things back around to that word because it's what God is speaking specifically to our body for the, for the year. And uh, also for like nights of worship and things like that, you know, there are many times where, where we just will sense that God wants to do something specific. And uh, man, we were talking through songs and the list and everything for tonight and just what is it that God wants to do. And I really believe that tonight uh, is going to be a night where, where God wants to set some people free, uh, wants to heal some people. Um, we serve a miracle working God. And so I'm not promising you anything other than God will be here. And so if you come expecting, I would just encourage you to prepare your heart all afternoon and uh, come in here expecting. And we're going to, man, when we glorify and lift up the name of Jesus, I mean, you know that anything is possible. Amen. Anything is possible. So we can't wait to see you tonight. It's going to be awesome. Uh, six o'clock right here. And before we get into the message, I feel like there's something specific that I want to speak to you today. But I want to give you just some practical things because... Uh, I always like to take this this Sunday every year is almost like a little mini vision weekend. Uh, we do vision weekend on the first Sunday of the year in January every year, and we talk about the previous year and what God's speaking to our church for that year. But it's it's good today to kind of reflect on some things, and so I just want to give you some practical things and some updates. Uh, the first update is, as you know, you're in it right now, but we moved into this building. Um, you know, within the first five years of the church, we were able to purchase this, move in here. On July 11th, and uh, you know we we had a we have a thing called the Beyond Movement. Many of you are giving to that to see this facility paid off, 
And so we wanted to let you know and just kind of update you on the status of all of that. Um, the total cost of this facility with uh, some price increase in material and then we fully furnished the building. Uh, we were about 20% over our initial budget. Uh, but many of you know that when you get into construction projects, you know, that stuff tends to happen. You get phone calls and, hey, we need to do this or we need to fix this or now we got to do this before we can do that. And so ultimately we did that. But here's the great news because of your generosity um, most of that we were able to pay for out of pocket. And with your generosity, we're still right at halfway debt-free in this facility. So even with all of that, we're still right at, you know, like 50% paid off. And so we are going to continue to focus on that. And, um, and you're, with your generosity and your giving, we're going we're gonna to pay this thing off and we're going to see God do a miracle. And I wanted to update you as well because about six weeks ago, I stood here and told you that um, we had someone come to us about the property behind us and the lot that is back in here. And just a little over a week ago, uh, I'm glad to report to you that we have officially closed. And so all of this back here, yeah. So all of the, the building here and this entire lot right here, we now own as a church. And so um, I, I found it interesting that uh, now as we enter into the season, you know, where you take step one and we felt like God was, was in it and uh, we prayed as elders and we thought, man, this is what God wants us to do and take this step. And now we're beginning to pray, okay, now how does he want us to use it? How does he want us to utilize it? What is the next step? And so God's going to lead us in that. But I found it interesting. We were thinking about how we felt led to call this whole thing the beyond movement. You know, you've heard that term as we've used it here. And, uh, and it's like God is moving beyond what we thought we were going to go beyond, right? And so it's, it's crazy how whenever you, just, whenever you just take one step and do what God tells you to do and you be obedient, um, that he tells you the next step. And sometimes it's unexpected blessings and things that come your way. And so we're just excited about all that God's going to do as, man, we just continue to uh, really, in essence, expand our territory to be able to reach people, uh, love on people, do outreach, do ministry, and disciple people. And so that's our heart, and we're excited about that. So I wanted to, uh, to let you know about that as well. And then the last thing, I just want to go through just a few practical things that I always like to look back on and uh, communicate um, how far we've come as a church. And I want to say before we get into just a few numbers that uh, none of this is us, man. This is all God. Like, God gets all the glory. All we have done is be obedient and watched him bring people and families and talent and giftings and ministry partners and all of these people into uh, the life of our church. And, man, look at what God has been able to do, right? And so just a few things. Um, we, the church began in 2016, and our average uh, people that were attending on the weekend, gathering together to worship, uh, was, was just under 100 and so we were gathering together just under 100 people. Um, in five years, I was looking back for this year, um, two numbers. The average right now is about 280 people that are gathering together uh, between two services. And that's been as high as 328 um, since we've been in here alone. And so, man, God is faithful. And here's, here's the thing, because I'm going to give you another number in a moment that's way more important than that one. Um, here's the thing. Here's why we believe that those matter. Because they represent people that we want to lead into a relationship with Christ and then disciple. 
We want to lead into a relationship with Christ and then say, hey, you need to get in a group. You need to be in community. You need to be discipled. You need to come regularly. You need to get in God's word and continue to grow. And I believe as we continue to be obedient and faithful to that mission, that God is going to continue to send people. If we'll be faithful to say, you know what, we're going to point people to Jesus and we're going to disciple people, get them in the word, invest in them, get in community, then God's going to continue to bring, bring people because we're being faithful to what he's called us to do, not what we want to do. And so that's an important thing. Uh, this semester, you know, we always talk about groups. This semester, there's about 100 adults. That doesn't include any kids that are a part of things, but 100 adults that are in grow groups this semester as we've kicked that off. And so that's awesome. Um, that's one of the, you know, we, we talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and we're going to talk about it again, but you need to be in a group. We believe that that's where you mature, you grow, you, you get community, you meet people, you know, relationships are formed, all those things. And then this is the last number that I want to give you because it's, it's so awesome. Um, in five years, this is what we know of. This is, you know, a hand raised or, or written on a card, you know, to, to let somebody know. But in five years as a church, we've seen 159 people give their life to Jesus uh, through five years of just being obedient. Yeah. So that's amazing. If you don't get excited about anything else today, I hope you get excited about that because that's 159 lives that were changed forever. And so our hope is that as people come to faith in Christ, now we're going to let's disciple you. Let's walk alongside you. Let's get you connected. Let's, you know, let's, let's figure out how you can use your gifts and your talents to, to, to build the kingdom and to serve and get in a group and, and mature as a believer and know what it means to truly follow after Jesus. And so five years, it's been an amazing five years. There are some of you, I look around today, and you've been here since day one. Some of you have been here since before day one, like you were a part of the launch team that, uh, that was gathering together and talking about, you know, what this would all look like and what God was calling us to do. And then there are some of you that have come along just in the last few months. And it, it doesn't matter. We're, just, we're glad that you're along for the ride and that you're willing to say yes to Jesus. And we just want to do our best to lead you to follow him. Not to follow us. Not to follow me. But to follow Jesus. And so that's our heart and that's our mission. And so we're, we're glad that you're here. Um, I want to talk for just a few moments on this title today. As we celebrate five years of ministry or our fifth anniversary or birthday, I've titled the message, Going the Distance. Going the Distance. And I was thinking back over the last couple of weeks in preparation uh, for this, for this uh, Sunday and just thinking back over God's faithfulness and everything that he's, he's done. And I thought, man, we've, we've made it to five years, which five years is a big deal. It's a really big deal. But at the same time, how do we make it another five? What do we need what do we need to look back on and see, you know what, this is what God is in. This is what God is doing. What do we need in our lives as we go into the next five years or really until Jesus comes back for the church, amen? Like, what do we need to do to be able to sustain and, and go the distance in ministry and even in our families and as individuals? And so here's the first thing, uh, just a few things that I want to mention today. Here's the first thing that I think we need and we need to understand uh, a little bit more is the word grace. Grace. How many of you know that uh, this is all by God's grace? <laughs> you're sitting in this seat today because of the grace of God. You're, you know, you're saved because of the grace of God. I believe that, that uh, God gives us grace for the things that he calls us to. And as I was studying this, I found that the number five in the Bible represents grace. And so when you see the number five in the Bible, it is, it's a symbol of the grace of God. 
It's referring to grace. It's a grace number. And I think that um, in 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul writes this. He says, but by the remarkable grace of God, I am what I am. In other words, this is not, I did not make myself into this. I did not put myself here. I did not write this down because I'm just that great at writing. No, this is by the grace of God that I am who I am. And his grace toward me was not without effect. In fact, I worked harder than all the apostles, though it was not I, but the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing, which was with me. And you can kind of see the definition there um, of grace, which is simply this, the free and unmerited favor of God. You didn't earn it. You could never earn it. It is a free gift. It is unmerited favor on your life that God wants to give you, that God wants to equip you with, um, not only for salvation, but also life after salvation. Are you with me? You didn't earn it. It's by, God, it's by the grace of God that you're saved today. It's by the grace of God that you have the job that you have today. Come on. Anybody ever you, you complained about your job? <laughs> right? Complained about your job? It's by the grace of God that you have the job that you have, and it'll be by the grace of God if he sees fit to move you into another department or into another place or promote you or send you somewhere else, and you may not understand the reason, but it's by the grace of God that those things happen as we continue to trust him. It's by the grace of God that you have the family that you have today. Come on, anybody thankful for your family? I'm thankful for mine and and, uh, my wife and kids and really our church family. Come on, is anybody thankful for your church family that we get to gather together and... And uh, get to know each other, and, and uh, man, it's just awesome. It's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God that, that you have gifts and talents that you have, right? God has gifted you to do certain things. God has gifted some of you to think a certain way. God has gifted some of you to do things a certain way with your hands. God has gifted some of you musically. God has gifted you and given you talents, some of you uh, to be able to teach. I mean, like, there's all kinds of gifts and talents, and it's by the grace of God that he's put those in your life. He's put those inside of you. It's by the grace of God that our church is here today. It's by the grace of God that we've been able to do the ministry we've been able to do in these first five years. And uh, you have been given grace to run your race. And our church has been given grace to run our race. Now I want to hear you, because I want you to hear this this morning because I want to take a few minutes on it. You have been given grace to run your race. We're all running the same race corporately. There's a great commission. There's something that Jesus himself has said, hey, as the church, as a believer, this is what you need to be about. But within that, every person has a gift and a talent and every person is a different part of the body of Christ, a different role to play, a different function, a different thing that you bring to the table, if you will, as we follow after Jesus and we go after the mission that Jesus has us on We all have the grace to do something together, and we all have the grace to do something individually. That God has given you the grace to do specific things. And I'm going to call up uh, a a few people here. Let me see. Jamie, will you help me? Are you good? Is it going to freak you out to come up here? Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. George, you mind helping me? (laughs) The The look on his face said it all. Said it all. Right? Um, if you'll stand, will you stand right down here? Just stand behind this. Be good. And you can stand behind right here. Um, who, some of y'all are nervous. Like, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Um, mm. Do you mind helping me? Come on, give it up for Cassie. All right. So, 
here's, here's the way that I, I saw this as I, I felt like the Lord was giving this to me. I don't know what's happening. Is that me? Am I doing something? No? Okay. Um, here's how I felt like the Lord was showing me this when it was like, okay, as a church, we have the grace to run our race. And as individuals, you have the grace to run your race. And so what it means is that God has given you this. Now, you have to choose to pick it up. But God has given you this ability and this talent and this gifting and this grace to run your race. Yeah. Right? This is something that God has equipped you to do. So we're all heading in the same direction. We're all on mission for Jesus. We're all striving to follow after him and to do what he's called us to do. But individually, Cassie has been given this skill set and this gifting and this way of thinking and this, right? There are some of you, listen, there are some of you that God has given you the grace to be a teacher. And when you go into that classroom, you're on mission. You're on mission to see not only these kids learn, but that through your life and through the things that you communicate and the way that they see you live, God has given you the grace to run that out. If I was to walk in there, I would not have the same grace on my life because that's not what I'm called to do. Right? Some, some of y'all are like, amen, amen. That's, that's not what I'm called to do. Listen, that doesn't mean that I couldn't step in and do it and that God couldn't equip me. Because he could if that's what he called me to do. But as a part of the body, some of you are, are teachers, some of you are CEOs, some of you have started businesses, some of you are doing things that nobody else can do because that's what you're called to do. And God says, I've put you right there in that place with that skill set and that gift and that talent and the grace that I put on your life for that specifically so that as we're all running this race together, while we're all running this race together, you each have an individual way that you're running it, an individual thing that God's called you to do. And so, so this is what George has been given, and God said, you know what, I'm going to give you a basketball. Yeah. Now what happens, what happens is a lot of times what will happen is we'll take this basketball and think, well, I don't like basketball. Yeah. And we begin to look over at Cassie who has the soccer ball, and we're like, God, why didn't you give me a soccer ball? Yeah. I think I would enjoy soccer ball better I think that I might could do the soccer thing better than I could do the basketball and God says no I've given you everything that you need to do what I've given you to do you just got to pick it up and say you know what I'm going to run my race and here's another another thing and this doesn't mean that George looks over at Cassie and says well man she's being successful She's got like a hundred people that are following her that seem to reach out to her. And, and I work behind the scenes and I only work with two or three people and I really don't have that much influence in people's lives. And so then George becomes jealous of the call that's on Cassie's life and is no longer even fulfilling the call that's on his life because he's too consumed with what's going on in Cassie's life. Instead, what we need to do is look over and say, wow, look at what God's given her the ability to do and let's celebrate what it is that she's doing and let's celebrate that she's following and being faithful and obedient to what God's called her to do and I'm going to be the best basketball player that I could be. And I'm going to be the best soccer player that I could be because God has equipped me and God has given me the grace for this race. He's given me the skill set for this race. He's equipped me to run this race. And then we come over here and Jamie, and are you going to choose to pick up what? <laughs> that's, a, that's a trick question. That would be a miracle. God's in the business of miracles, man. And then, and then Jamie, you know, all of these are, we're all running in the same direction, but it all looks a little bit different. And what we have a tendency to do is to look around and we say, well, 
they're like, why didn't God, they're way better at speaking than I am. I'm just nervous all the time. Why did God give them that? And I wish that I could do that. Well, here's, here's what you need to know. That may be your calling, or God may have something completely different for you that he said, but they can't do that the way that you can do that. And I put you there so that you can do that thing and run the race in that way. He gives us grace for the race that he's called us to run. And the danger is whenever we start to compare our race to somebody else's race. Well, why do they make that much money? Why am I not blessed in the same way that they are? Why did I not get the soccer ball and I got the basketball and I wish that I had got the soccer Why? And we start to compare. And what we forget is that we're all heading in the same direction. I heard a pastor say this one time that, that the, uh, the army of God seems to be the only army that shoots its own wounded. I would also say that sometimes the army of God seems to be one of, one of the only armies that doesn't celebrate somebody else's fulfillment of the calling that God's put on their life. We just kind of become jealous. We become bitter. We, we start comparing our calling to somebody else's calling. And here's, here's, here's what I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you. No calling is too small and no calling is better than another calling. No purpose is better than another purpose. Paul tells us when he writes, he says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, the, there's, there's this thing called the body of Christ. And some are a foot, and some are a toe, and some are a finger, and some are a nose, and some are an ear. And just like we can't say that I can't say to the ear, I don't need you. No, you do. There's a role to be played by the ear. And the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Like every person has a race that God's called you to run. And he's given you the grace on your life to be able to run that direction. And so there will be doors, listen, there will be doors that will open up in the place that you are running your race that really probably wouldn't open up for me if I tried to step in there and just force my way in. It's because God has put you there. God has put you working with those three people. God has put you raising those kids. God has placed you over that business. God has placed you in that leadership role. God has placed you to lead up where you work. God has placed you to influence your coworkers around you. God has a race and something specific for you. And so we don't need to be comparing our race to somebody else's race. We're all going in the same direction. Let's just start celebrating how each one of us are being successful at what God has called us to do. And some of us, we just need to redefine success. Because we think that success is always looking great. That success is when you walk into the room and the room is full. That success is whenever you get the promotion every two years that you think you ought to be getting. And God says, no, sometimes success does not look the way that success looks to you. It doesn't look that way to me. Success looks like you being faithful and obedient. And when I want to promote you, when I want to take you somewhere else, when I want to do something different with your life, when I, when, 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 when I want to change your calling or shift things or, or take you into another or expand your territory, that that's God's job. And our job is to be faithful and obedient and to not compare but to say hey i'm going to be the best soccer player that i can possibly be because this is what god has equipped me to do and what he, the calling he has on my life i'm going to be the best basketball player that i could be i'm going to be the best football player that i can be and i'm not going to compare i'm going to celebrate everybody else as we're all running this race together all fulfilling our purpose all doing what god has called us to do we're going to run it together and we're going to be successful because all of us are playing our part god has given you the grace to run your race he has not given you the grace to run mine. He has not given me the grace to run yours. God can equip us to do anything, and all things are possible 
But I believe that we're all a part of the body and we all have a different function and a different role and we need to step into that. Come on, you guys can be seated. You can just sit those down. Come on, can we give them a hand? Thank you guys for letting me bring you up here and have all these people stare at you for <laughs> 10 minutes. I think this is, this is why we can't look around and compare to everyone else's race. And this is why we can't look around as a church. Listen, let's just talk corporately. We can't look around as a church and say, you know what, well, th- why isn't this church like that church? We can be heading in the same direction, reaching people for Jesus and discipling people. But God's called us to do it in a different way because of the people that God knew we were going to encounter. And so we're all preaching the same truth. We're all preaching the same gospel. We're all taking people, leading people to Jesus. We all want to see people discipled. But we can't look around and say, you know what? Well, this church isn't like that church. And why is this church doing this? And why isn't this church doing this? And, and why, like, why am I seeing everything that's different? Listen, we're, we're called to run our race. Impact Church is called to run our race. And here's what, I would, here's what I would say to you. I'm just telling you, for our family, for our elders, our leadership here, we're committed to the mission that God has us on. We're committed to see people saved. We're committed to seeing people grow in their faith and relationship with Jesus and be matured and become followers of Jesus, disciples. We're, 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 we're committed to seeing people go, go on mission trips, giving toward missions, being outward focused and not just within these four walls, going out and being the hands and feet of Jesus. We believe that's what God's called us to do as a church. Amen. And so we're going to be committed to that. And we're going to run that race. And everybody, every one of you has a part to play in that. You do. And so uh, the first word was grace. We have, we have the grace for our race. Here's the second thing that we need. Um, it's obedience. Obedience. What is obedience? Obedience is simply submission to another's authority. Some of you understand this because you have a boss at work, and ultimately you have an ultimate boss, who is God the Father. Um, but you have a boss at work, and so you understand this idea of obedience, that when your boss wants it done a certain way, that it's best that you do it in that way. Um, that's submitting to the vision of the company, submitting to the vision of the person that's leading you, submitting to the vision. It's submission to another's authority. And I think if we're going to be people who are pleasing to God, in a church that is pleasing to God, we have to be submitted to his authority. Not submitted to other people and, and, and the opinions of everybody, but submitted to God's authority. And I want to, on this idea of obedience, I want to read about 12 verses here, and then we'll kind of give you some context. But this story, um, I love this story in the Bible. And many of us, many times we can overlook it. There's going to be a verse in here that you may have heard before. Uh, but I want to talk about it and kind of talk around this verse for just a few moments. So we're going to start in 1 Samuel 15, verses 12 through 23. Verse 12, it starts this way. It says, early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel found, finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear, Samuel demanded. And we're going to get into that in just a moment if you don't understand the context of that. But it's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked. And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. 
And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Samuel tells Saul that obedience is better than sacrifice. And we can hear that a lot of times. And if we don't really understand the context, we're thinking, okay, but the Bible tells me to offer myself as a, like a living sacrifice to God. So sacrifice is good sacrificial giving is good sacrificing you know laying your life down for the cause of the kingdom is good you know dying to yourself that's all good but what he's talking about here was being obedient to what the lord had told him to do fully and so we see saul if you look back at the beginning of chapter 15 the lord has given saul the instructions to completely destroy the entire nation he said, destroy all the men, destroy all the women, destroy all the children, destroy all the babies, destroy all the cattle, the sheep, the goats, the camels, and the donkeys. Get rid of it all. I'm going with you. Go into battle. Destroy everything. Everything. How many of you know that sometimes we don't understand what God's telling us to do, but God always has our best interest in mind? And it's the thing that's going to bring him glory. It's the thing that's going to be best for us in the long run. And so, but what does Saul do? Well, if you go back and you read verses 7, 8, and 9, it says, Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekites' king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Saul did not fully obey. And when Samuel comes to him, he says, why didn't you obey? He says, I did obey. I killed all of them. And he says, but I spared the king and brought the king back, right? And my men, we started seeing all of those like, whoo, that's a good looking sheep. We should keep that sheep. That's a whoop, look at that cattle. That's all, oh, those are some good looking cattle. We need to keep the cattle. Let's keep all of the best of everything. And the things that, the, the, the ones that look malnutritious, you know, they, they, they're just not, don't have it all together. The ones that look poor in quality, we'll just destroy all of those, but we're going to keep the other. And then Samuel comes to Saul and he says, why have you not obeyed the Lord? He said, I did. He said, no, then why do I hear all the sheep and goats? Why do I hear all this noise in the background? If you completely obeyed the Lord's command. And Saul says, well, we're going to sacrifice. We kept those so that we could sacrifice them to God. God did not tell them to keep all of the sheep and the goats and the cattle and all the best of it to sacrifice to God. Now, one of two things may have happened. Uh, for some of us, we get in a situation like that where we, we have the, the, the option to be obedient to God. And something happens, and we see all of this, and then somebody comes to us and like, why didn't you completely obey God? And it's like, well, you know, like, we're just going to sacrifice them. You know what I mean? And it's like we're like trying to justify it. Like, well, we could sacrifice them to the Lord. Wouldn't that be good enough? Or it could be that Saul went in and he said, you know what? I, have a, I think I have a better plan. I know that God said 
that we needed to just destroy everything, but what if we hold on to this and hold on to this and hold on to this, and we actually offer this to God as a sacrifice, and Samuel comes along and he says, obedience is better than sacrifice. What do you think God loves more? The fact that you disobeyed, but then sacrificed it to him. The fact that you came up with your own plan in the middle of God's plan, and then offered that to him, or the fact that you fully obeyed and submitted from the get-go. He says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Can I tell you what I think this uh, would look like for some of us, even in our, in our culture today? Uh, what it might be the equivalent to is that our Heavenly Father gives us something that He wants us to carry out with our life. There's a purpose. There's a calling. There's something that He tells us to do. But we go through our life and we come up with a better plan. And we try to justify it by saying that we felt like it would be a better plan to serve the Lord. In other words, we think that in, instead of being obedient to what God has told us to do, we submit our plan to God and hope that God gets on board. And he says, I know that that may be a good thing, and that thing actually may bring me glory in some regards, but what's more important, that you did your own thing and then decided to sacrifice it to me, or that you were fully obedient from the beginning, and that you were fully submitted to me and my authority? Obedience is better than sacrifice. <clears throat> We could say it this way, that obedience to God's plan is always better than trying to get our plan to be okay with him. And too often we're trying to get God to be okay with our plan. Well, I kind of obeyed and then I really wanted to do this and so God, are you okay with my plan? And I'm not telling you that God won't bless your plan. But I'm telling you that I believe that full obedience to him is more important than trying to get him to go along with our plan and bless our plan and take us on the journey that we want to go on. God says, I've already got a plan for you. And it's what's going to fulfill you the most. It's how you're going to be the most successful in my eyes as you further the kingdom, as you follow after Jesus. Let's just follow my will. Uh, John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. Jesus looks at the people and he says, if you really love me, you will keep and you will obey what I've told you to do. You'll keep and obey my commandments. Look what uh, was even written about Jesus himself in Philippians 2. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, look at verse 8, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus was fully submitted to the Father's plan. We even see him in the garden the night that he was arrested and he's praying. If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Your will be done. In other words, I don't really want to do this right now. I know this is going to be difficult. But if this is your plan, if this is your purpose, if this is your will, if this is your calling for my life, if this is the way that it has to be done, I'm fully submitted. I'm fully submitted to your authority. And I'm not going to try to get you to go along with my plan. I'm not going to submit my plan to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be obedient to what you've told me to do, what you've called me to do, the purpose that you have for my life. And so I think what is it that will keep us on mission as a church and as families and as individuals? It's obedient to what the Lord's will is and not necessarily our own opinions and our own plan or even sometimes the opinions of other, others around us. That we have to be obedient to what it is that God's called us to do, the race that he's called us to run. Amen? And then here's the third thing that I think we need. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's simply devotion. 
And when you take pictures out there, you're going to see the word devoted. And the reason you're going to see the word devoted, if you've come alongside our church and uh, become a part of our church over the last few months, then at the beginning of every year, we have a word that God's speaking to our church. And this year, it's been devoted. And I felt like the Lord told me to bring it back around and remind us all. How many of you know that sometimes we need a good reminder of what it is that God's called us to? And so we need devotion, but not just devotion. We don't need to just be devoted. We need to be devoted to the right things. And we talked about some of these things back in January, but I want to just remind us in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42, this is what it says about the very first church and what they were devoted to. It says, all the believers devoted themselves. And if you'll remember, that word devoted assumes that there's going to be difficulty, assumes that there's going to be hardship, but it says, even in the face of anything that may come my way, I'm committed. I'm fully committed and devoted to these things, no matter what anybody says, no matter what happens to my life, no matter if they threaten to kill me, right? I mean, like, you can read some of the stuff that the early church went through, and it's, it's crazy, y'all. I mean, like, some serious persecution. We don't even know. And and they're saying, you know what, I, we're expecting that this is going to be hard in some regards, and there's going to be opposition, but we are fully committed and fully devoted to these things. And it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their, their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is why I believe if we remain devoted to the right things and the mission of God, it says that, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Why do I believe that God will continue to send people to our church if we're faithful to say hey we're going to point you to jesus we're going to make sure we're going to be devoted to the right things and we're going to make disciples and we're going to do this it's because that's what god's plan is and because they were devoted to these things he kept every day there were more people being added more people being saved more people getting on the team more people being saved more people being saved so that they could take them in and disciple them and show them what it looks like to do ministry and what it looks like to follow jesus it's the way that it works and I think we have, to be, we have to remain devoted to the right things as a church. Uh, we need to be devoted to prayer. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Romans 12.12, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Ephesians 6.18, right after the armor of God. Come on, we all know the armor of God. He goes through the list of, you need to put this on and put this on and take this with you. And then he says, oh, by the way, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Can I ask you this question before we go on to the next thing? How's your prayer life? We're called to be devoted to prayer. The first church says they were, they were committed, they were devoted to prayer. So we need to ask ourselves, what, how is my prayer life? What does my prayer life look like? We need to be devoted to gathering. We all know this verse and, and have quoted it many times. Uh, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. The Greek word for neglect, or in some translations it says to abandon meeting together, it implies a person who is extremely discouraged. In other words, don't be discouraged about meeting together. 
Do not neglect it. Do not abandon it. Why? Because we need each other. We need encouragement from each other. We need to be built up by each other. We need to worship corporately together. We need to gather together. It's important. The importance of gathering isn't a legalistic thing. It's a no excuses thing. It's not a legalistic thing like, well, they just say I need to be at church and I need to be in a group and I need to you know, be in community. No, it's not a legalistic thing. It's a God designed it this way thing. It's a, hey, there is importance in you gathering together and you being in community and you discipling. It. Like this is an important thing. It's not the time to pull away, but it's the time to do it even more frequently. Make it even more of a priority. Here's the next one. We need to be devoted to community. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family. Give preference to one another in honor. Galatians 6.2, carry one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. That is the law of Christian love. Here's the bottom line, whether you want to admit it or not, it doesn't make it any less true. We need each other. You need me, I need you, we need community together, we need friendship, we need these people. Like, God has not sent you here to this church for you to just sit in a chair and go home and sit in a chair and go home and sit in a chair and go home. No, he brought you here and said, hey, here's a community of people that I have called you to. I want you to be in relationship. Are you going to be in relationship with 300 people? No. But you can be in relationship with 10 you can be in a relationship with maybe 15. You can, be, you can have really close relationships and community with a couple of other couples. I mean, like God has put you here for a reason. And we need each other. The next one is that we need to be devoted to generosity. Luke 3, 10 and 11. The crowds asked him. They were asking John. They said, then, then what are we to do? He's, he's teaching them. And they say, what are we to do? And this is his answer. And John replied, the man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And he who has food is to do the same. In other words, you're called to be generous. You're called to share. You're called to, to be a blessing to other people. Psalm 37, 21, the wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 10 and 11. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way which through us will pro produce thanksgiving to God. What is he saying? He says, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. You're always going to have everything. That you, come on, you place your faith and trust in Jesus. You're trusting in him. He's your provider. You're going to have what you need, and you're going to have extra to be a blessing to other people. You're going to have what you need, and you're going to have, be a blessing to other people. You can't compare what it looks like for you to be a blessing to other people for what it looks like for this person to be a blessing to other people because we're all running a race individually all in the same direction are you with me but we're called to be generous we're blessed to be a blessing our church is blessed so that we can be a blessing i want to bring the worship team back and we'll talk about this last one for just a moment we need to be devoted to discipleship if for no other reason than this one matthew 28 19 through 20 jesus says go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I love word studies and the study of this word. If you look into the word that Jesus used for disciple, when he said, go and make disciples, here's what he said. It's a word that means helping someone to progressively learn the word of God 
to become a matured, growing disciple, to train, develop in the truths of Scripture and the lifestyle required, helping a believer learn to be a disciple of Christ in belief and practice. So Jesus said, here's what I'm commissioning you to do. Go and teach people my word and what it looks like to live this way. In belief and practice. Not just in belief and not just in practice. How many of you know or have ever known someone, don't raise your hand, but you know somebody that believes something, but they didn't practice it. They said they believed one way, but it was not reflected in their life. And he says, go and make disciples. And here's what that word means. Go and teach them my word and what it looks like to follow me and, what, and how they are to live. This is how I have taught them to live. This is what a believer's life should look like. As you're following Jesus, as you're following after me, you should live this way. This is what it looks like to make a disciple. And Jesus has commissioned us to do this. And this is why I believe it's so important. It's that discipleship is the bridge between a baby Christian and a mature follower of Jesus. We've got to build a bridge. Somebody that just comes into the faith and they just received Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. Now they need to start walking across this bridge. We're walking them across this bridge. They're getting into a group. They are serving with people around them. They are in community. They are studying God's word. It's a bridge. Discipleship is the bridge that takes us on this journey from just serving, from just entering into a relationship with Jesus to being a mature follower of Jesus. Discipleship is important. So important that Jesus said, before he went back to earth, he said, this is what I need you to do. This is what you are called to do. Go and make disciples. Will you stand to your feet today? I'll tell you again, and, and then we'll close, but this is why it's so important for you to be in a group. Man, I know you probably get tired of hearing that. Hopefully, you don't. Hopefully you're already in a group, but you need to be in a group. You need to study God's word by yourself. Listen, you can't depend on everybody else to do everything for you. But you need to take what you've been studying or what the group has been studying and be able to sharpen each other and share what God is showing you and disciple each other and go back and forth with what it is that God's doing in your lives. You need that. You need it. It's important. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Discipleship involves you being around another person. Discipleship is so important. And do we have, can you throw those back up there? I just want to recap here the words that we've talked about today. Is that we need, we need grace to go the distance. We need obedience to go the distance. And we need devotion to the right things to go the distance. But if you look at that, you'll see what we spelled. Above all else, above all else, listen, you can, you can believe in grace all you want. You can strive to be obedient all you want. You can try so hard to be devoted to the right things all you want. But listen, if you don't have the presence of God, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you don't have, listen, we need his Holy Spirit. Who is it that helps you understand God's word? The Holy Spirit. Who is it that when you're standing in line at the grocery store and you feel like, you feel like, oh, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm supposed to go over there and talk to that person and pray for them. That's the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm sitting here, and I don't know why I feel like I'm just supposed to go bless them and give this to them, and it doesn't even make sense. I don't even really know them. That's the Holy Spirit. 
That's being led by the Holy Spirit. That's allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to put things on your heart, to show you when you're reading the Bible. Come on, if you've ever, if you've ever read your Bible and you're like, I don't really understand, you, you need to get the right resources to be able to study it because if you don't understand the context of the Old Testament and New Testament and how the two go together and what the storyline is, then it's going to be difficult for you to understand. So you need, that's what discipleship is. That's why you need discipleship. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside and he says, hey, I'm going to reveal some things to you. I'm going to make some things stick out to you. I'm going to show you something in there that you've never seen before. Above all else, we need him. We need him. You need him. Your marriage needs him. Your family unit needs him. Our church family, we need him above all else. He's the most important thing. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, I just thank you today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate together what you've done. And God, we thank you for your grace. Lord, it's only by your grace that we're saved. It's only by your grace that we're here. It's only by your grace that, that, that we're able to gather together and that we even have this building. Lord, we, we take no credit. This is not us. This is you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be obedient to run the race that you've called us to run. As we're all running toward what it is that you've called us to run toward corporately, that within that, that each person has a part to play and you've given us the grace to do things well individually. And so I pray that we would use those gifts and use those talents to serve one another and to serve the body and to reach people for your kingdom. Lord, remind us of what it is that we're called to be devoted to. Maybe if we veered off a little bit over the last six months or nine months or over the last year, God, bring us back to an understanding of what it is that we are called to be devoted to, devoted to prayer, devoted to discipleship, devoted to these things, studying your word. God, we, we just want to be committed to the right things. And Lord, above all else, we ask you that you would just fill us again with your Holy Spirit empower us and equip us to do what you've called us to do what you've told us to do and I pray as we sing this last song today if there's any person here who needs prayer for anything in their life Holy Spirit would you draw them for prayer in Jesus name Amen.